Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from thousands of successful individuals from around the world. I'm your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm privileged to welcome a very, very senior and accomplished professional from Salt Lake City, USA, Dr. Bruce H. Jackson. Bruce, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, Dr. Jackson is the principal of Attentional Leadership Institute. He's an executive director at the Charlie Life and Leadership Academy. He's an executive director of the C. Charles Jackson Foundation, and he's an author. And all of you know, I am very partial to authors. He's an author of a book titled Finding Your Flow, How to Identify Your Flow Assets and Liabilities. The key is to peak performance every day. So, Bruce, before we talk about leadership and the Attentional Leadership Institute, briefly tell me about your own journey. Well, my my journey, I appreciate you asking. Um, it, really, everything that I've done <clears throat> has come from a an early, early space of wanting to become probably successful as a tennis player. Mm-hmm. And I was the traditional hyperactive young student, uh, kicked out of school at the age of 10, mm-hmm. found a tennis racket at the age of 12, 13, started to really focus my energies in that sport, started to recognize that tennis was only the game, but the real game was between the ears. It was Mm -hmm. the mental game. It was the emotional game. It was the physical game. It was the Mm -hmm. philosophical game. And that really led me to um, want to understand what are all the human factors that lead to peak performance and optimizing yourself. And so that led to a long academic journey in the study of psychology, then in business administration, then my doctoral work was in human and organizational systems and and using flow Mm. as a a framework for optimizing the individual. Mm. And then later in my uh, postdoctoral work, looking at leadership development, human effectiveness, not just at the personal level, but the relational level, the team level, the organization, and then also communities and societies. So my big insight was every principle that you apply to yourself to optimize your own condition are the same principles you use to scale at higher levels with more people. Mm. So that led to consulting firms and seven years at a university, 20 years working, Mm. building out a nonprofit and a foundation and speaking and training and coaching and all those things that we love to do. Amazing. Amazing. So my first question to you is what drew you to the field of executive coaching? Because you said you were in the corporate world, consulting and ac- academia. Uh, so what drew you to executive coaching and leadership assessment? Well, I think we inherently know the paradoxes that we're all kind of the same, but we're all absolutely unique. And when you get inside of the world of an organization, you realize how complicated organizations are. And then when you get into the the minds of a team, you realize even if that's a small team of five to seven people, how complex that is. Mm -hmm. But then even when you get into the world of just a single human being, Mm -hmm. you realize there's an entire universe in that person. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's pretty, for me, clear that 
every principle that governs the universe are the same principles that we have to master inside. Mm -hmm. So working with high-performing executives, students, athletes, um, you know, no matter what their discipline, whether they're, you know, tennis players, astronauts, engineers, teachers, jockeys, musicians, it doesn't matter. Those are all very distinctive um, performance arenas. Mm. But the the absolute uniqueness has to do with the human being that's searching for a place to do and to release that potential. And so I kind of have come to the conclusion that since every human being has a unique iris, fingerprint, DNA, that everybody is designed with a specific potentiality for which it's up to them to help express. And like you, we both, I think, are passionate about how do you help individuals fulfill their potential their God-given potential to do and be what they were designed to be, hmm. that infinite complexity, that which is the human condition. So for me, uh, whether it's executive coaching or working with a group or working with the whole organization, um, there's just so much humanity to pull out that it's uh, always Great been response. fascinating for me. Great response. Thank you. And what would you say are some of the common challenges you have addressed with senior corporate leaders? Well, I think the common challenge is, again, a paradox in that there's no common challenge, but everybody has the same common challenge. Mm -hmm. And that is, what should I be doing mm -hmm. right now? That's the most important thing. Mm. And for each person, I think that's a question we ask ourselves every hour. Right. Every day, every week hmm. is what is it I'm doing? Where is it I'm going? Where is it I'm coming from? Hmm. And am I doing the most important thing? And I think, and this was part of my doctoral research was hmm. everybody can find that zone of high functioning. There is a formula for it. It's very simple formula, hmm. but it's infinitely personal and it's infinitely complex mm -hmm. and only you can discover that formula. Right. So I think that's the paradox is we all are constantly struggling to understand what's the most important thing, what's my win today mm. and then how do I um how do I make sure I'm executing on that win, which is very personal. Thank you. Um my next question is uh, that when you work with different individuals how do you tailor your own coaching approach to meet, meet the unique needs of so many different people? Well, I think the first thing I do like to do is I do like to do a bit of a historical journey like mm -hmm. you are and identify the personal and professional highs and lows where have they acquired specific principles and values and beliefs? Um, what of which peaks have given the greatest insight? Which troughs and failures have brought them the biggest insight? Mm -hmm. How have all of those experiences brought them to this place and time? Mm -hmm. That's a unique thing to discover. And then I think from there is trying to help what I call do some long-term orientation mm -hmm. is okay. Let's, 
I mean, again, these are musical notes. Nobody's reinventing the musical notes, but I do like to say, okay, if we have a clearer path from where you've come from and where you are, mm -hmm. then let's take a look at where ultimately you want to go. Mm -hmm. And, you know, mission, vision, legacy, backing in through goals, backing in through strategy, backing in through how do you spend your time? And I think doing a bit of a historical review as well as a future review, hmm. uh, then getting to know their current circumstances externally. What are their current challenges, their mm -hmm. strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats, yeah. and then looking internally. Once you start gathering all that, it's the same thing I do with large organizations. It's mm. fundamentally three-dimensional strategic planning. Um, internal, what I call an internal 360, an external 360, and a time-based 360, mm -hmm. what I call the 1080 sweep. And I think when you start gathering all of that information, the distinctive factors and elements mm -hmm. for which to help them identify their particular formula mm -hmm. emerges. Mm -hmm. Well said. My next few questions, Bruce, are relating to leadership. Um, so I'm going to ask you that age-old question. Can leadership be taught or are leaders born? Yeah, and my default answer to that question is leaders are first born and then they're made. Okay. You can't make a leader who hasn't been born, right? And so this always brings to the forefront the idea of how much is leadership about inherent talent mm -hmm. versus what you can do with that mm -hmm. talent mm -hmm. versus the environment for which that talent emerges and moves forward. And so um, I think it's clear and most people recognize that we all have various strengths and weaknesses. Mm -hmm. I think the reason why we are distinctive in our personalities, our genes, our DNA, our cultural history, right. our personal history, our educational history, is that each of us needs all of us to fulfill the ultimate potential of all of us, right? Mm -hmm. So it's we're designed to have weakness. Mm -hmm. So we are made with a certain amount of ingredients. And I think our goal and objective is to optimize the strengths that we've been given mm -hmm. to eliminate as best we can those major weaknesses that hold us back. Mm. And in many cases, those things that matter less, try to delegate those out. Mm -hmm. And I think whether you are a lower skilled, let's say lower on the spectrum of what you might consider talent, everybody has the potential of moving forward and up. In mm -hmm. fact, in my travels all around the world, I have found that every single culture it doesn't matter whether you're in St. Petersburg or whether you're in uh, Cusco, Peru, or whether you're in China or whether you're in Jordan, mm -hmm. that despite the distinctive uniqueness, yeah. everybody wants the same two things. Mm -hmm. They want to move forward and they want to move up in yeah. some combination for themselves, their family, and their friends. Well said. And yes, there is more talent in certain areas, but we all have a unique destiny, I think, to fulfill. And whether that is to be the prime minister of a company or I mean, of a, of a, a country, yeah. Yeah. CEO, or whether it's to be the captain of a basketball team mm -hmm. or 
to run a really good cleaning company. Mm -hmm. I think we each have the potential to fulfill our skill sets and talents if we are seeking and constantly working towards that optimization. Well said. And, you know, Bruce, there's been a lot of talk about emotional intelligence, emotional quotient, EQ uh, for leaders. How do you support your coaches develop uh, EQ and emotional intelligence? Well, I think emotional intelligence is a lot bigger than people understand. Yep. Um, I had the chance to study at Harvard under one of the inventors of the multiple intelligence movement, Howard mm -hmm. Gardner. Mm -hmm. And I think when people are talking about emotional intelligence, what they're really doing is opening the door beyond just cognitive thinking. So it's not just emotional intelligence. There are other intelligence uh, coming through. Mm. Um, I think uh, with your question, when I work with individuals, you know, we all know that there is um, various mental skills. You know, you can grow any technical capacity. You can read, you can learn, you can give answers to things. But the emotional uh, intelligence, and as most people who study it recognize that the first part of emotional intelligence is the awareness, control, and management, and generation of a moment of, of emotions in yourself, mm. and then to transfer that attention to other people, mm. to be able to be aware of their feelings, how they manage them, and how to generate them. Mm. And then that, of course, can we can go up, and I know one of your questions has to do with culture, mm. but I think we are, again, we are logical beings that feel, Mm -hmm. And that part of what we do is quantitative and part of what we do is quantitative, right? Um, and so with regards to whether it's leadership development or whether it's coaching, I do feel like we are human beings first and human doings second. Mm -hmm. And I know many leaders, when they get really, really good at what they do, mm -hmm. they often start treating people as gears in a watch correct um and i think the the emotional side of it unless you can draw that inherent value from somebody and with somebody mm. it's difficult to really optimize them as a performer mm. so there's a lot of ways in which i could talk That's about it. emotional intelligence but i think it's a the human being versus the human doing mm. most people don't care about what you know until they know how much you care and i think that's, you know, our grandparents all knew that pretty yeah. well. Sure. Well said. The other question I wanted to ask you was on the role of leadership and how it has changed post the pandemic. I mean, I've spoken to many leaders and they said that one of the most difficult times of their leadership journey was during the pandemic. They had to keep their flock together. They had to uh, deliver results and uh, they had to manage all the challenges of uh, COVID. So my question is, how has the role of leadership changed with the rise of remote work, technology, and all the stuff that's going on in the world today? Well, I'm really glad you answered that question. I'm just finishing a, a new book. Uh, it's an, a new book on flow and using flow as a self-coaching tool. Mm -hmm. You know, during COVID, we all went from three-dimensional relationships to two-dimensional relationships. Right. 
management and leadership was highly distributed. I think when people are in organizations, oftentimes they wait for, oh, when am I going to learn the next skill? When am I going to be offered the next promotion or opportunity to excel? Mm -hmm. I think what um, we should all take from COVID is nobody owns our leadership development more than we do. Mm. that as much as I enjoy and promote external coaching and external mentors and outside in training, mm -hmm. that we all have to take the steering wheel of our own car mm. and drive our own development. We have to be consistently asking ourselves the question, what's the next most important job skill that I can mm -hmm. learn? And what's the most important leadership skill I can learn? Hmm. And so I think from a developmental standpoint, we've never been in a better position to have content that people can go find and develop themselves. Hmm. But I think what that says also for the manager and the leader is we have to lead and manage by principles. Hmm. We have to transfer that power. And you've seen this over the last 25 years. Yeah. Power has transferred from the top of the organization to the bottom of the organization, mm -hmm. those on the front lines have the expertise and we as leaders can't be in command and control mentality. Mm -hmm. We have to unleash and mobilize talent and provide the guidelines and mm -hmm. principles to allow people to bring out their own talent mm -hmm. and drive their own development. So I think leaders, really good leaders do less now than they did before, but they have to provide the conditions for success hmm. and not just drive performance. Well said. My next question, uh, Bruce, is on culture. I wanted to ask you, you know, we and, and you, know, you live in probably one of the most culturally diverse countries in the world. I wanted to get your perspective on how does culture impact leadership? Another great question. A lot of people look at Utah as a um, a very non-diverse place. You would think, oh, this is a very kind of religious place, uh, and it is. Mm -hmm. But you know, Utah is the home of one of the largest multicultural. It's one of the largest multicultural universities. Mm -hmm. You have missionaries from all over the world get trained here, and they go out from here, um, and you know. What I love about it, I'm originally from Minneapolis, Minnesota, very mm -hmm. different space than Salt Lake City. And then south of Salt Lake City, even 25 miles, mm -hmm. it's kind of like the difference between 10 miles in the border of Germany yeah. or 10 miles in the border of France, mm -hmm. two very different countries, even if they're right next to each other. Yeah. But what makes it so beautiful, and, and in, in fact, if we could get into a bunch of societal dynamics here, mm -hmm. is... I think when any of us observe our planet and we observe everything around us, whether mm. it's birds, trees, bushes, animals, ocean, ocean life, I'm a big scuba diver, I dive all around the world. We, we have to recognize that everything is designed with complexity at its core. Mm. And I think it's always fascinating that there is no genetic code that has repeated itself in human history. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Why wouldn't the universe produce 100,000 codes and then re simply repeat it out of efficiency? 
Mm. And so when we talk about culture, we realize that since every single human being is essentially it's their own universe, mm. when you bring those different values, beliefs, perspectives together, mm. one plus one is greater than two. Correct. And I think, you know, if you have culture that's going badly, mm-hmm. we're struggling with that now all over the world, of course, but in the United States, we're seeing a lot of this. When when people aren't optimizing themselves, they become less than the sum of their parts. Mm-hmm. But when they're allowed to fulfill their unique potential, then they are more than the sum of their parts. Mm-hmm. And so with regards to diversity and inclusivity, the more we can maximize the unique angles. In fact, my very favorite metaphor, of course, is a Hindu metaphor, mm-hmm. and that's the six blind men and the elephant. Right. And since we all have a very distinct angle of vision, mm-hmm. when we look at the world together, we see the more clear picture. Right. And I think that's why culture is so vital on leveraging culture to optimize because we all can't do it all and be it all. So we need one another to accelerate it. Well said. So Bruce, I have time for two more questions. Um, I want to ask you one question about your book, and then I want to come to the last question. Uh, Your book, Finding Your Flow, How to Identify Your Flow, Assets and Liabilities, The Keys to Peak Performance Every Day. I'm going to ask all our viewers and listeners to go and check out Dr. Bruce Jackson's book. I'm going to check it myself. Tell me about your book and what was your hypothesis when you wrote it? Well, I I had a very interesting conversation with one of the world's leading sports psychologists. He was the leading psychologist for the California Angels baseball team. And I said, Ken, I want to find a formula for flow. How do people find their formula for flow? And he said, Bruce, there's no formula for flow. Everybody has to, you know, discover that. And I said, Ken, there has to be a formula for flow. We're missing something. If there wasn't a formula, then wouldn't we wouldn't be trying to improve performance. Mm-hmm. And so my hypothesis was, and, and Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi, the fundamental theorist of flow, and he happened to be my doctoral advisor at the time, mm-hmm. he wrote a book called Finding Flow. And what I learned through my research in studying high performers and what they did to find that flow Mm. is, number one, there was a word missing from the title of Mihai's book, Mm -hmm. which became mine. And the word is your. Mm. And your flow is different than somebody else's flow, but it has the same ingredients. Mm. So my fundamental premise and what I discovered in my research on the book is that there is a formula for flow and there is your formula right now, but you have to do the assessment to identify what I would call the internal and external assets, the internal and external liabilities, and how do you sort through those so that you can narrow down where to place your attention with intention on your win. Mm. So anybody that is listening to this, I, I have a survey to tap into what your strategies are, but I also have a a free assessment that I'll send anybody that would like to take an assessment, a short one, Mm -hmm. and then uh, a discounted long one if they would like to do that. So Mm -hmm. I discovered essentially that finding your flow is a very personal process. Mm -hmm. 
But operationalizing flow is a universal process, mm -hmm. each of which have five elements to it. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. And my last question to you, and this is for the thousands of people who will listen to our conversation. <clears throat> Based on your amazing understanding of leadership, the fact that you have traveled the world, you're a you know, well-acclaimed coach, what would you say are three lessons you would want a lot of our young viewers and listeners to take away? Well, let me make sure I get these right. <laughs> Number one, understand God doesn't make junk. Mm. That you were born for a purpose. Correct. One of my favorite quotes, of course, is the Mark Twain quote, mm. the two greatest moments of your life. Mm. The first is the day you were born. Correct. And the second is the day that you understand why. Mm. So that's number one, is you've all been born. You've won the first and greatest race of your life. It was mm. the 200 and million and one odds of getting Correct. here. Right. And now you are the conglomeration of every one of your ancestors. You are now on the stage. Correct. Number two, to discover what you were designed to do, mm. you need to be an active participant mm. because the universal, I think the universal law, if there, if finding your flow is a personal process, the universal code for getting through the learning curve mm. is what I call the five elements of iteration. Mm -hmm. It's putting the most important things at the center, knowing what you're willing to invest time, mm. energy, and resource, yeah. clarifying a process of execution, noticing what happens, and having feedback loops. Mm. And those who su succeed are those who first identify their one thing, Number two, know how to iterate mm. until they've mastered it. Mm. And then from there, learn how to slowly scale their influence from the inside mm. outward. Mm. And that any arena you choose, whether you want to be a chef, whether you want to dig ditches, whether you want to be an astronaut, a doctor, I don't care how low or small the job is or how large the job is. If they can make curling an Olympic event, mm -hmm. then you can discover the game you were made to play mm -hmm. to become an Olympic athlete at that game mm -hmm. and make the difference yeah. through yourself into the world and be of highest service to others. Right. And I would say the bonus secret is the more you learn how to let go and of yourself and what mm -hmm. you want, but leverage your talents in the service of others. That's where true joy and happiness emerges. Well said. And on that note, uh, uh, Bruce, and your three wonderful lessons, you know, and I love each one of them, understand God does not make junk. You know, each one of us has been born for a purpose. Second, which is so powerful, be an active participant, discover the game you were meant to play. And the third one is learn to let go. Thank you so much for speaking to me about your journey. Um, I loved your comment uh, about the real game is actually between the years. Uh, and that's something which we tend to forget very easily because we get caught up in so many different things. Thank you for talking to me about coaching. 
leadership. And also thank you for sharing some thoughts about your book. Thank you again and good luck. You're welcome. I look forward to staying in touch and uh, thanks everybody for uh, the opportunity. And again, anybody that wants to write you, I'm happy to send them a free assessment for their initial journey into finding their own flow. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience, and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website, www.tbcy.in, to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for the brand called You.